Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated today. Hallelujah. I'm glad today is Sunday. It's a remembrance of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago to the devil when he thought he had him defeated. This is just a reminder that it happened once and he'll do it again. Amen. Hallelujah. He raised the dead and he will raise us in that last day and we shall meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with him. Hallelujah. That is our great hope. Our great hope is not just in victory today, but our great hope is in the victory over death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? Hallelujah. It's swallowed up in Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to receive our tithing offering today. If you need a tithing offering envelope, there's one in front of you or the ushers will help you. All of those of you that are watching uh, by uh, live stream, uh, hopefully you know how to do it now. There's a little uh, box that you can click on and it'll inform you how to do that. And uh, today as we give, we do it as a manifestation of our love for our salvation as well as for the Savior and for the promise of his provision. And so as we give today, as we tithe, we bring it in and we declare that God is our first priority. God is the priority. The kingdom of God is our first purpose. Could again, amen. And we are participants of the blessing that God has given to us that we return a portion to him. It is our testimony to the world that our source is not ourself, but our source is in God. Hallelujah. And we know the windows of heaven are going to be opened up. What a faithful God we serve. He's never failed us. He's never going to fail us. But the devil has lied to you and deceived you, broken all of his promises, broken all of the dreams that you've had, but he has never, ever stood behind anything. Yet God stands behind his word and stands with us, as Joshua said. If the Lord be with us. And so today as we bring in our tithes and offerings, we understand that people need the kingdom. People need salvation, folks. And no matter how bad the world is getting, Jesus has enabled you and I to shine like lights sit on a mountain. And there's nothing that can defeat us. There's nothing that can dim us. There's nothing that can cause us to get off course because our eyes are on Jesus. How the world needs for you and I to stand steadfast. The world needs to see people committed to something other than themselves. Hallelujah. And so as we give today, we're giving for something greater than ourselves. It's for the kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of a man. Its rewards are eternal. Its rewards are never to be forgotten. And God is not unfaithful to forget that which has been born and sparked towards his kingdom out of love. 
And so today as we give, uh, make your checks payable to Only Believe Ministries Christian Center. And uh, let's pray over your tithe and offering. Father, how much love you showed us when you gave your only begotten son. God, you said wherever our treasure was, that's where our heart would be. Our treasures, God, are certainly not in a world that is crumbling. It's not in people, God, that are hopelessly lost and bound by sin. God, it's not in the provision of this world, but God, it is in you. We thank you for your love and your provision in God as we join ourselves to your divine purpose. Use that which we give, God, to express our love and our honor, submission and commitment to you, God. We ask that you take it, bless it, bring it back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And God, bless our generations to come. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank God Phyllis is one day younger than she was yesterday. She decided to count backwards because of the high numbers. And uh, so she started counting backwards. And uh, so in just a few short months, she's going to be 39 again. And we believe in miracles. Not that it's going to come to pass. We believe in miracles. Hallelujah. All righty. Praise God. We enjoyed vacation. And just for the record books, I beat Lincoln in golf. Then I brought him home and beat him in golf again. I beat him in spear fishing. And I'm feeling like 29 again. Hallelujah. All righty. <laughs> Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to Leviticus 19.15. I want to talk to you today about really a connecting subject of what we taught on racism, and then we taught last week, Brother Kylan taught being our brother's keeper, and uh, he did a great job. This week, we're going to wrap this little short series up, and we're going to be talking about preference preference 
Is it even in the Bible? Yes, it is. And so we're going to look at that and where it plays in our life, in our world, and in our church. And it says, and you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Notice the word unrighteousness, that which is opposed to God. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. Notice that unrighteousness, that which is opposed to God, is born out of being a respect of persons. Nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness thou shalt judge thy neighbor. Preference. Preference means a greater liking for one alternative over another. In other words, it's putting what you like over what somebody else does, how they look, how they respond, how they dress. Now, we wouldn't think that that has much to do with our lives with God, but it has much to do with our life with God. So we must realize that when it says that thou shalt not do any unrighteous judgment, it simply means this, that we are not to decide controversy separated from God's opinion. Have you ever done something or judged somebody and then found out that you were wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Many, many, many of us have. And the Bible said that there is a way of wisdom in Proverbs 23. It's a way of wisdom. And then in the way of wisdom, we are to be wise like God, but to have a respect of persons in judgment is not good. A respect of persons in judgment. How do we have a respect of persons? How do we decide the controversies between God and man? Now, we understand that we say, well, the Bible is black and white. We wish that it was. And in many, many cases it is when it is mixed with the spirit of its author. But the law or the Bible without the spirit of its author dominating you or influencing you becomes a one-edged sword of destruction. It, it, just, it destroys people because it has no emotions. But the word is not without emotion. The word is filled with joy. The word is filled with excitement. The word is filled with love. It's filled with faith. It's filled with vision. It has all types of things in it, but so many times we exclude all those things because we are just after the black and white of it all. When if you and I were judged by the same black and whiteness, we will find ourselves in dire need in the balance of justice. And so we are to make sure that we don't end or create or deal with our controversies. Now, there are controversies that are on the inside of every man and every woman. 
You know, we struggle with things on the inside of ourselves. We wrestle with opinions as well as with the order or the instruction or the revelations of God. That is the struggle, the battle that is inward. It is a struggle of you wanting to do what you want to do, yet there is the presence of the Spirit of God drawing you and leading you and encouraging you to do what God wants you to do. And there is that struggle. And so in order to end controversy, to come up with a resolve, come up with an end to a problem that brings peace, then you and I have to lean to God's way and not our own. Amen? Now, the only way that we can do that as Christians is really found in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2, if I can have that on the screen. Now, we say these words, but really, we are very reluctant to let go of that old mind. Amen? And it says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, it's, the word sacrifice simply means a dead thing, something that has had the life offered for a better outcome than it could produce on its own. And then it means that a sacrifice, holy, holy without sin, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, the Word of God is given to us to show us how to live a sacrificial life. And that simply means that we are dead in Christ, but we are alive unto Him. And so, we are dead in Christ, yet we live. But we live with an entirely different concept of why we exist. It's not self-centered. It is now outward flow. Amen? Amen? So that when people come in contact with us, we are, as it were, wells of living water. Out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus told the woman at, at the well, look, if you knew who I was, if you knew what I had for you, you would ask to drink from me. And so we are wells of living water that when people are thirsty, when people are broken, when people are discouraged and downcast, I want to tell you something, we are to be a place that they can come and drink of something other than the bitter waters that the world presents. Good word. Good word. Now, it tells us then that we are not to be conformed. In other words, we're not to be fashioned, pressured into the world's way. But because a lot of intimidation, because of fear, I would say because of a lack of faith, that we more readily let the world form us more so than we do allowing God 
to transform us. Now listen, when God tells you to do something, He presents you a transforming path to blessing. If you give, then guess what? You get blessed. If you see your brother hunger and you take and give to him, you demonstrate the love of God. If you lend to the poor, God repays you. And so there are so many benefits when God says, look, this is how I want you to handle life. It's just not an illusion. It is the way of God. It's called Christianity. It's called faith in God. And if you have faith in God, then you are a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So we have to allow our minds to be transformed. They need to be transformed in judgment. Yes, in judgment. Let's go to Numbers 15, 15. Our minds need to be transformed. Somebody say transformed. And it doesn't just mean that it gets transformed and then undone. Some of our minds are like silly putty. They pick up the image but quickly lose it when it's stretched. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got the numbers right here. And as soon as they're stretched, you lose everything you've gained. All right. One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation of Israel and also for the stranger that sojourns with you an ordinance forever in your generation as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. Now the stranger that doesn't know Christ deserves nothing other than the same love that we give brothers. And it doesn't matter what he's strange for. Well, he dressed like a woman. Been there, done that. On my wedding morning, I got up and put Phyllis's nightgown on. What did she think? I don't know. It didn't last on long enough to ask her questions. But I remember looking at her and I said, are you going to fix breakfast? And she looked back at me with those green eyes and she said, I can't cook. And I looked at her and I said, it doesn't matter. Now I wish I hadn't said that. But it is carved in stone. Listen to me. We sometimes prefer people that are not as different as we are to be to them. And we are to be peculiar. We're not to be run of the mill. Could I get an amen? So what happens is sometimes we prefer people. But there is one law to everybody. And the law from us to the stranger doesn't matter how strange he is. You know, when people would come into Judaism, you know, it didn't mean that they had to forsake all of their heritage or their cultures. They just had to worship God His way. But they could dress any way they wanted. You know, what was different about Moses' wife? She was an Ethiopian. 
appearance. She had two feet, two legs. She had a head. She had a mouth. You know, she had two ears. She looked just like a Jew except her skin color was different. The Jews didn't like that. Miriam and Aaron, you know the story, spoke against Moses because of his Ethiopian wife. Their preference was you would marry a Jew. But really, it wasn't any of their business. But the law said Moses married her before the law. So you couldn't hold him guilty to the law when there was no law. And when there is no law, there is no sin imputed, Romans 5, 12 down through 19. So he couldn't be guilty of something that had never existed. Yet Israel wanted to make the point. And we know that judgment fell upon them because she was worshiping God the way that she was being instructed. Therefore, she was to be approved as much as one born in the nation. Because of their lovelessness, their criticism, their preference, God smote Miriam because she was the author of the problem. She must have been Eve's sister. That was a joke. And uh, God smote her with leprosy for seven days. Now, when we talk about one law being for all men, that doesn't mean he's not writing to the stranger to observe those laws. He's telling the congregation, you observe this law. And so we can't judge people differently just because they're not a part of quote, unquote, our faith or our belief system in Christ Jesus. You never know where a man has been. You never know where he's going. And you never know how much God is involved in his life. Now, let's talk uh, more about preference. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10 through 13. Because preference challenges unity. Unity is not conformity. I don't have to be like you. I don't have to walk like you, talk like you to be in unity. Unity means that I have a focus on the same purpose that you do. Now, you're going to walk differently. You're going to do things different than I am. But our purpose is to serve the Lord, to fulfill his purpose in our life, to love one another, to glorify Jesus Christ. Now, you may do it entirely different, but you are still a part of the purpose. Therefore, we're unified. That's why we support other outreaches from other churches. Why? They're doing something we're not doing. Well, why don't we do it? Why? Why do we want to do something that they're doing successfully? Why would we waste our time? Why would we compete with our brothers and sisters? Why couldn't we just help them. Well, you know, we, we need a food bank. We don't need a food bank. We got one on the right, the left, the, the front, the backward. They're everywhere. 
So what do we do? We gather food to help food banks around us. And so lots of people that would need food from Sydney couldn't drive 10 miles or 11 miles here to get food for supper or from Lima here. Why do we want to do what somebody else is doing better? Well, we want to we wanna what? Let's be the help that we can be. Amen? All righty. So let's look at, what did I say we're going to? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. And it says, Moreover, brethren, now I would not have you to be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And we're all baptized unto Moses. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it's 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. Now, that's a great message, but let's not preach on that today. All right, there you go. Now I beseech you, brethren, watch this proclamation. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the highest authority that Paul can carry in the church is by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And he pulls it out of his bag of cards. And he says this, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, and there, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith that I am of Paul, I am of Paulus, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, what do we have here in a church that loves Jesus? In a church that we have division. What is the division about? Not doctrine, not purpose, not anything except preference. Preference. Well, I like the way he teaches. I like the way he says it. I like his Christian cliches. I like this or I like that. What is that? Preference. Preference will always challenge unity. But Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 4, 1 down through 4, says that we are to strive, we are to contend. In other words, there are outside forces here that are trying to get us off of balance and get us into sleeper holds so that they can rule us and divide us instead of us doing what God has called us to do. Be united, support one another in purpose. 
And if you read this on, it goes on to say, and I have many things to say to you, but because there's this division, I have to talk to you like babies. I have to talk to you like carnal people. How in the world does the most powerful thing in the world lose its power to change a man? Preference, division, opposition to unity. Now, you may not like this, but it is the God's truth. Let me just dive right into where I want to go. How many of you want revival? Some of you do. How many of you really want revival? I mean, really want revival. Good. But you want revival if everybody that comes in the church becomes you. Oh, I had a complaint a couple weeks ago. Well, why do the, the singers have holes in their pants? Because they buy them like that. Hello? Why do you still have a weave in your hair? That was done away with 30 years ago. What is the problem? Why are you still wearing support stockings when they've been replaced? Now, I know I'm making some of you mad, and that's probably where I want to go. And if you can get mad at me, you ought to be totally enraged at God because this is how God thinks. Every generation that is coming into the kingdom of God is not like you. He does not need conformity. What he needs is willing vessels to create revival. We want revival if their hair is short. I had a man from the sheriff uh, office come and help me with a message one time, and the guy said this to me, and, and I realized it was the time, it was 20 years ago, and he said, you know, if the guy's got uh, long hair, I can really be aggressive. And I thought to myself, are you crazy? What do you mean long hair? It was his preference. Had nothing to do with the spiritual state. Had nothing to do with the uh, act that we were putting on. Had everything to do with the length of a man's hair. Of course, I understand that he didn't like people long hair because he had none. <laughs> but see, we want people to be like us. Why? You are who you are in this generation. In this generation. You work. Uh, how many wardrobes do you have? One wardrobe. You have to buy clothes for work. So you have to buy two. But the problem is, we want you to buy three. So that you can look like a Christian. Because we are just totally 
bummed out when you come wearing the clothes that are accepted in this world. But remember, there's one law for all of us. And in their world, you don't fit in. But we want to make them be conformed to our world, not transformed by God. Let me ask you this. Do you really care who leads you into the presence of God? Do you really care what they wear? Come on, do you really care what color their hair is? Do you care if they wear flip-flops or sandals or thongs or boxers? Does it matter? Then stop letting your preference govern your mouth and insult and speak against vessels anointed of God. We need to stop it. And what if, what if one of the visitors heard you talking like that? I ain't going to that church, man. They don't want me to wear jeans. I remember when I first started going to church, Phyllis and I were broke. You know when I started preaching in? Jeans and T-shirts with a pocket. I was class A redneck. I had a pocket on my side. Now, you probably wouldn't have showed up for my services. That's fine. That's fine. But when we were able to buy T-shirts for 50 cents with a pocket, it was a, what a beautiful pocket. And then if we went to a garage sale one time, we went to a garage sale just praying that God would help us, I found used handkerchiefs with a P on them. For Peter. Prosperity. Promotion. Well, shouldn't they wear their best? They're wearing their style, and that is their best. The Bible says that if a poor man is there, and God tells us in Deuteronomy... I think it's 15, and it says this. If a poor man is in the land, don't you put your hand to him. Don't you speak against him. Don't murmur against him, and don't withhold your hand of help. Now, we think this. He's a bum. He ought to get a job. Really? Maybe he once was the rich man that paid attention and sold everything. Maybe that's who he was. Maybe he was the author and the recipient of salvation. Do you know that? Well, well no, but, but, but look how he dresses. How would you dress if you had given everything to Jesus? How, how, how would you dress? Tell me, how would you dress? If you gave it all to Jesus and somebody then asked for your suit coat while you were walking with them, and you had to give it, what would you look like? You'd look poor. You'd look poor. 
yet you would be rich in the eyes of God. You would only be poor in the eyes of people that don't understand anything. Now, the reason I address that is because we shut down people by our words. We build walls and hedges. The devil's told God, hey, Job's got a hedge about him I can't get through. Well, you know, we can build those hedges between us and people that God has brought into our life. So, do I really care what they wear? I want them to be clean. I'd like for them to be ironed and decent. But if things change, well, well, God's unchangeable. And so are you. And that is the problem. We, we can't change pain because your preference will make you offended. Can't change the stains because your preference will make you offended. We can't add words on the screen because your preference is hymnals. You know how many people that have got hacked at me in the last nine months because of preference? The message hasn't changed. But people prefer things that fit them. Now realize that this is a byproduct of the world's influence. It says that when iniquity abounds, that the love of many will wax cold. Right? And can I have 2 Timothy 3 up on the screen? 3 1. 2 Timothy 3 1. And it says, This know also that in the last days, dangerous times, that word perilous means it will be a danger to be alive in Christ at the end days. Time shall come, for men shall be. Lovers of their, in other words, they're going to love what they love and everybody else is to be wrong. And it says this, they'll be lovers of themselves. Why? The iniquity of the world. The world is conforming the church. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemies, or blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, heady high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It doesn't matter how things are presented to us or the shape of the vessel or the height of the vessel. What matters is what they or how they are serving God to touch us. To touch us. Who has a pair of holy jeans on today? I know none of the worship team does because I had to get them that people have been out of shape because... They have holes in their pants. Uh, who's got jeans, holes in their jeans? 
You do? Oh, and you do. Good night. You don't even hardly have a leg on your pants. Uh, Now, let me ask you a question. How much does that pair of pants cost? Um, I think she bought those with her own money. Her own money. How much? 20 bucks. Boy, you stole them. All right, that, that, that's cheap. You got holes in your pants? They didn't stop you at the door coming in? Well, the, there may be a movement like that in the church. It, it's hard to tell. And uh, now some of you are laughing, but all that prejudgment before this message is on your life. And just as you offend someone else, someone will offend your kid when they try to join the church or come to the house of worship. You'll reap what you sow. It's a dangerous place to be in the hands of a just God. How much did you pay for your pants? How much? About 40 bucks. Wow, I remember when my suits cost $49. You know, the worshipable kind from pennies? Because I couldn't afford dry cleaning, so I just bought the ones that were worshipable. And the way Phyllis irons is, you couldn't tell anyway. So, now I really am trying to get to your crawl. And I know some of you say, well, Pastor, you're about as deep as you want to go. This is not for my well-being, not for these people's well-being. What it is, is that you have the law with the respect of preference. Nobody is in danger here but you. Now, don't you wish you would have stayed in the German Baptist church as to come here and hear this stuff? All right. Now, we have a preference. Oh, let's talk about a guy... We're all familiar with. You remember John the Baptist? Anybody remember him? Now, he was prophesied to his father by the angel Gabriel that he would have a son. He was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb, and he comes out of the wilderness, and the wilderness is kind of a deceptive description. The wilderness was where Elijah Elisha had built the school of the prophets. We remember that story. While they were uh, building the school of the prophets, the axe head came off and God wrought a miracle, and uh, the axe head swam to the top. And uh, so it was a school of the prophets, and it's where the sons uh, and the daughters of the prophets attended. Now, you may not believe that. I'll show this to you in just a little while because we think all prophets are men. All prophets weren't men and they weren't all ordained men. God called women and ordained them to speak to transform nations. Now, here comes John the Baptist prophesied by uh, Isaiah 700 years before Jesus comes He prophesies of a wild man coming out of the wilderness. 
And one day, John the Baptist shows up. Guess what he doesn't look like? He doesn't look like a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and he doesn't look like a prophet. He has garment on. He's got a leather belt about his loins. He eats real weird. He's worse than a vegetarian. He's worse than a vegan. He's eating locusts, not the raised kind, the wild kind. And he dips them in honey. They all think he's weird. You, you, you can't be of God, really. Guess who God uses to bring revival to a dead nation? John the Baptist. And he speaks to that nation in a tone and in a verbiage that no other prophet in the land can speak. And he rebukes them and calls them to repentance. And common men as well as spiritual men, wealthy men as well as poor men come and are baptized with him. And God uses him to baptize Jesus Christ himself. John the Baptist is that who we would have preferred? No. We want somebody in soft raiments and all those things that live in the palaces of the compromise. That's who we want because they fit our description. They fit what we think they should do. How many of you believe in the book of Isaiah? You know, Isaiah was a weird man. God told him to get naked and put cow dung on him and lay in the middle of the crossroads. Would you have attended his church on Sunday? No, you wouldn't. No, 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 no. Why? Because God had a message for generation. And it may be why such dominant offices are not readily speaking in our nation today and we are not hearing from God for our nation. And so, John the Baptist comes. And then, there is a woman named Anna. When they bring Jesus into the temple, and guess who she is? She's a prophetess. And she speaks over Jesus. What would have been the preference? Well, a woman can't speak in the midst of the church. God forgot about that part. And Anna is preaching. And if you go back to Judges, you'll find that there was a woman named Deborah that was a prophetess, and the Bible said she judged and led Israel. People say, well, women can't preach. Not until we send them to the children's church and the nursery. Then they can babble all they want. Oh, well, they can speak in the church that they're bringing forth tongues and interpretation of tongues, but besides that, God can inspire them. And, oh yeah, I forgot, they can lead in worship because we needed singers. You can't make a doctrine out of one scripture. They were true prophets, and they were women. Somebody say women. <laughs> Now, we, we, 
We are to make sure that we abound in love when we judge people. Philippians 1.9, know this, that you should begin to abound and grow in knowledge and in love in your judgment. In other words, you make sure that you have knowledge about what you're talking about. What if you would have come to church to hear me preach and I got up in a t-shirt and you'd say, Why, what is that guy? I'm not listening to him. I guess you would have been justified. But it did not do away with the call of God. God used a donkey one time, and he wasn't in a three-piece suit. God used a willow tree, and he wasn't in a leisure suit. The Bible says when, when God brought all of the sons of Jesse before Samuel, God said, don't look at his appearance. Don't look at his appearance. And then here comes this ruddy little kid that's been out there watching sheep. Now, I don't know how long he's been out there. Let's just say a week. Now, you know and I know that that little guy wasn't getting in that cold brook to wash himself. He comes stinking, ragtag, dirty, smelling like sheep, smelling like his dog. He comes in there, and his dad says, oh, he can't be the one. And Samuel looks at him, and God says, this is him. Don't look on the outward appearance, because I look on the heart. Now, I in no way, shape, or form am trying to condemn you, but I would be less than a pastor if I didn't awaken you. And understand that because of your preference that you can cause harm and offense to people. Hmm. John 8, 15, Jesus came and he said, if I judge, my judgment is a righteous judgment because I don't judge by the outward appearance. Well, how do you judge? I judge by the law that judges all men. So Jesus didn't judge people incorrectly. He looked at them, and he saw many things in them, but not many things that had to be dealt with at that moment. In five years from now, holy genes will be a pass-away fad. And only us poor folks. You see, you think you just bought them today. I wore them when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, I was called poor. I was called trailer trash. Because I had holes in my jeans. Because they were handed down from my older brother that was like a foot bigger than me, and then my mother would roll them up like this. Any of you remember this roll-up? That was the roll-up. The good thing, if you ever got hungry, you could find crumbs in that stuff. They, 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 you could put a loaf of bread down there. Now, how many of you remember that roll-up? But when they rolled them up like that, 
you were entitled to be called trailer trash. I was a trailer trash. I was called before the foundations of the world. Yet people, because of my appearance, called me names that were so contrary to God that if I would have believed it, I would never have heard his voice. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Somebody say, man, can you hurry this up? Well, I could, but I can't talk like one of them guys on the commercial. I can't do that. Phyllis can, but I can't. And it says this, for as the body is one, hath many members, and all are members of that one body. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, whether we all be made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I am not of the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, that I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if it was a whole, where were hearing when, where was the smelling? Hmm. But now hath God set all of the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where then would the body be? But now they are many members yet, but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head of the feet, I have no need of you. But let's go down to verse 25. And it says this, and that there be no schism. That word schism is that there is no gap. And the things that we're talking about right now make a gap between generations. And old man, men cannot teach young men, and older women cannot teach them, younger women, how to love their husband. It is a whole generation that is lost and crippled because of a gap. And then it says this, and in the body, but that the members should have the same care. That word care is a desire to promote and to care for. That's how we are to think of our brothers and sisters. We are to think of our brothers and sisters in the mindset that I am totally dependent upon them being their best for me to be my best. Amen. All right. I'm gonna get, let's go to James quickly. We'll look at a couple verses, then we're going to wrap up. Now look at your neighbor and say, I am not offended. And if I say that I am, remind me that I lied. Okay, hallelujah. All right. James 2.1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ 
the Lord of glory with respect of persons. And if there come in unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in one a poor man in the vile raiment, and ye have respect to him, and that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in this good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under the footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? Somebody say, in myself. Preference. And are become judges of evil thought. Evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. When I first got saved in the church of God, they told me, you can't wear T-shirts. Just ungodly, you can't show flesh. Well, I couldn't go to church. Had to wait till I got long sleeves. Now, I know that that's so old traditional that it's so throwback to the dinosaur age. But that's how they saw us. And then Phyllis and I, when we got saved, you didn't have church clothes, but you couldn't go to church because you had slacks. Then I have a man that's in this church today that he was in a Walmart wearing shorts, and the pastor came up to him and said, don't you know that it's wrong to wear shorts? That'll send you right to hell. He quit going to that church and started his path way to hell. Maybe we're not that extreme, but any type of preference that pits us against another is wrong. It's wrong. And this has to do with brotherly love. This has to do with looking through the eyes of God. The eyes of God. How does God see an individual? How does God think about an individual? Does he know their heart? Absolutely. Sure. But we as Christians, young and old, are supposed to accept one another at face value. And that means that you are not purchased with silver and gold. Not purchased with silver and gold. So we have to make sure that we love people as they are. Let God make them. There was a great thing that Jesus said. Follow me, and I'm going to let Peter, James, and John mold you. It's not what he said. He said, follow me, and I will make you. Let's give every believer enough time to change. Now, we all know that we're never going to be transformed until the day we die. 
So we can't judge anybody until we die or until they die. Right? Just don't. Who cares? Now, Shane, you, you've been to my house. You're a, you're a great plumber. You don't look like a plumber. When you showed up, I thought you'd be dressing a little nicer, but I guess plumbers are plumbers. I'm trying to keep my crack covered. Okay, you heard it right. Now, we all have flaws and we all have differences. Don't ever use them to help the devil destroy a life. Amen? Let's just not do it. Amen? Amen. So, we are going to quit preferring things in our life. I can accept anybody for what they're doing as long as they don't expect me to compromise. How can I walk with a sinner if he cusses? Well, I inform him, boy, I wish you wouldn't say that while we're together. Oh, okay. He'll respect you. But then if you just break off fellowship, he'll be lost forever. So let's just not get into preference. Let's get into love. It's the only thing that will not fail you. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand your feet today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. God cleans us like the fuller soap. That God, it cleans us that you will shine through us in a greater manner. That God, people will see Jesus and not see us. And God, that is your great hope when you put Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Now, God, we want to be more like Jesus. God, we want to be used of you in a greater way. God, so we humble ourselves today and not be moved by people's outward appearance. We understand that it should be modest. We understand that, God. But God fashions that come and go cannot divide a united body of Christ. And we are striving to be united one with another.